1997, the year after I got out of high school. July 5th, the day after Independence Day. We were on a way back from New York. Had a few friends in the back. And we got pulled over in New Jersey. The officer pulled us over, definitely for speeding, and wanted to know why we were coming back from New York so fast. My friend Don popped out, and he said, well, we just came back from seeing the Ramones. And the officer said, the Ramones? They're still together? And he said, no, no, no. Well, it, actually, it was just Joey and Dee Dee, and they were just doing kind of a reunion show. So it wasn't actually the remote, and the officer said, no, 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 hold on, and went back to his cruiser. He came back and wrote me a ticket for having a tree air freshener. That is the kind of camaraderie that the Ramones provide. Curioso. A Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. I'm Christopher Scarborough. And I'm Joe Taylor. And welcome to the Curioso Podcast. Today we're talking about Jeffrey Ross Hyman. Born May 19th, 1951. New York City, New York. Also known as Joey Ramone. Yes, Joey Ramone. The lead singer, songwriter, and freakishly tall <laughs> frontman for the punk rock band, The Ramones. Now, with this one, we have Joe with us. Mm -hmm. You have Chris with us. Mm -hmm. You know who you are, so we don't have to worry about that. But we also have a very, very special guest. So this guy knows more about the Ramones than anybody that I know. He looks like a Ramone. In fact, back in the day, we used to call him Donnie Ramone. Don, say hi for the audience here. Hey, Chris. Hey, Joe. Hey, Don. Good to hey. have you on the podcast. Jeffrey Ross Hyman becomes Joey Ramone. Donnie, you are the quintessential Ramones historian without having a piece of paper that says you are a Ramones historian. Walk us through some of his early, early stuff. I actually, I think that you could probably get the GED fairly easily yeah. if there was one. Yeah, I think so. Send it for it. I'd ace that class. So he was actually born right in the city of New York. He's, he's, I mean, he's really almost a New York icon. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, he, he ended up moving to what, Forest Hills, Don? Uh, not uh, Brooklyn at first, and he lived there until he was about two, I think, and then the family moved to Forest Hills. And then he went to school at... Uh, was it Forest Hill High School? Forest Hills High School. Yeah. Um, and then throughout every, everything that I could find uh, on his early stuff, his early years, um, he played drums throughout his whole teen years before he even picked up a microphone. Joey's brother gave him like his acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, basically Joey, you know, it would only have two or three strings on it. And Mickey put it in an open tuning so that he could basically do, you know, power chords with one finger. Mm -hmm. And um, the first song that Joey's brother showed him was I'm 18 by Alice oh, Cooper. Awesome. Uh, Alice Cooper was one of the first, you know, biggies for Joey. Yeah. And um, it started with Frank Zappa. They were huge. Joey and his brother were huge Frank Zappa fans. And um, it's an album called Zapped that you could only get from mail order from Zappa's record label. Uh-huh. Like, they'd advertise it in, like, Crawdaddy and Rolling Stone and stuff. And um, I actually have a copy of that. Really? It's got, like, uh, two songs by the Mothers of Invention, a Captain Beefheart song, Wild Man Fisher, who deserves a show on his own, mm -hmm. and um, two Alice Cooper songs. And... Uh, they're really weird, you know, like, you know, pre-early action, pretties for you era, you know, very, uh, still kind of almost Pink Floyd-y, but mm -hmm. like, you know, if the Stooges tried to play Pink Floyd. Um, <laughs> I can't even imagine that. That's, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, but that, you know, Alice Cooper was a huge influence, so the first song uh, Joey asked to play was I'm 18, so his brother showed him, came back like a day later and was like, look, I wrote a song, and it was I Don't Care 
which mm-hmm. if you look at the chords, it's I'm 18. Oh yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. totally, just just totally ripped off. Yep, I mean minimalized to the. You know. They don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he was the drummer of the Ramones first, but he was actually in another band before that. Right, right. He was yeah. actually in Sniper. 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 Yeah. And that was that was Sniper was in 1972. It was like a glam punk band. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 72 to 74. Very yeah, yeah. And uh, before that, I mean, he had like you know basically just a high school band called the Intruders. Um, nothing to do with like Marky's band, the Intruders. Later on, um, but yeah, that was that was just like a short-lived thing. They didn't record anything. They just played like high school dances and that sort of thing. Okay. Can you find any music from Sniper today? I mean, do they have any no, albums? No, uh, not that I've ever found. I mean, I'd really? certainly love to hear it, but it doesn't. You know, I don't. I don't think they made enough of a wave and. You know, recording stuff was is a lot cheaper now than it was then. So for somebody to actually care enough to record a band, you know, with they reel to reel or dats yeah. or whatever they were, yeah, yeah. president of vinyl. Do you know what yeah. his stage name was? Uh, Jeffrey Starship. That's so awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's hilarious. He was a he was a huge Bowie fan. Bowie. He yeah. had a uh, he had a uh, purple jumpsuit. Uh, with dyed purple boots, <laughs> zipper, zipper up the front. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's that is Joey yeah. in a giant purple <laughs> zipper. That is very Starship yeah. Spaceman. Yeah. Still, I mean, still same hair and yeah, know, sunglasses. But well, I know. I mean, I know he was probably influenced a lot by Bowie and uh, a lot of the like the proto punk bands, you know, like the Stooges. And I mean, what what else like influenced him to to get into the Ramones? Uh, well. I mean, I think just music in general uh, at the time, you know, it really was the heyday of rock and roll. And, you know, I think both him and his brother agree that the first song they ever really paid attention to was like Richie Valens' La Bamba. And from there, they just, you know, they fell in love with that song and with music in general. And, uh, you know, from the girl group stuff to, you know, the Who and, you know, the Beatles, Stones, the whole British invasion thing, like... You know, they were just always fans of music and always kind of, uh, you know, used that to get by, I guess. Wait, right. I, he was, uh, what, the, what was the Ronette? Oh, was, yeah. Was a huge Absolutely. influence of his, too. Right? Yeah, loved Ronnie Spector. And, I mean, you can definitely hear it in his vocal style, especially on some of the, you know, slower songs. So, uh, and then from there, he actually wound up uh, meeting up with the other members of the band and, and formed the Ramones. Yeah, was it in 74? Uh, Right. Yeah, uh, 73, 74, I want to say it was around, um, you know, 69, 68, they all really started hanging out. Uh, Johnny was a friend of Joey's brother, he was a little bit older. John Cummings. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they all, they all went to Forest Hills High School, and they all kind of knew each other off and on, but I want to say around 19, you know, 68, they all happened to live literally you know within a block of each other and that's you know johnny ramon tommy um joey and Dee. Dee. Mm-hmm. and um you know they that's when they started hanging out actually going to shows together talking about forming bands i think at one time johnny and joey's brother were in a band together like like we were talking about joey had drum for a few bands um tommy was always involved in music now, uh, Joey's brother was Mickey Lee. Yeah, yeah. and he's he's still performing in, uh, today. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, and I know he he takes care of uh, a lot of uh, Joey's estate now, but we'll yeah. we'll get into that in a little bit later. Right. So, okay. So, John Cummings, mm-hmm. Johnny Ramone, yeah, Douglas Colvin, Dee Dee Ramone. So those 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 three were basically the the, the founders yeah. of of that band. And that's just as as neighborhood friends and lovers of music at the time, and they just kind of got together and yeah. went from there. Johnny actually really didn't like Joey at all. Right. Uh, he, he liked his brother, <laughs> but Joey, you know, he was just a weird, strange guy and definitely more of a hippie. And even though Johnny, you know, himself kind of looked like one, you know, he, he hated hippies and, you know, would always tease Joey and stuff, but... Yeah, was, I heard he, he would say a lot of like anti-Semitic things to him and and stuff like that back back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which I mean, I, I mean, he was really conservative, and that's that was just the way he, 
you know, they were probably joking around back then. But I mean, yeah. I think Joey probably was a little bit more sensitive. And I, I knew, I, I, for most of what I've read and found, I, he was kind of like really, uh, he was, he was very much, um, he very much was like thought about uh, uh, the 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 Nazis and what they did to uh, the the uh, the Jewish people and and he would think about that a lot and that came through in a lot of the songs that he wrote. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, that's Dee Dee. Was that Dee? Well, yeah. no, Didi, I just Dee Dee was an army brat, so he was raised in Berlin. Uh, Joey was actually pretty indifferent to it. Really? Oh, really? I thought yeah, that... he was Jewish and it was part of his culture, but Dee Dee was the one that got you know got a kick out of like Nazi stuff, and I really? mean they all they all kind of bonded out of a, a a sense of like shared sick humor, and they all they all actually just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. But also, I mean, at the time... Well, I know, they were all, was, all also, like, crazy about horror movies as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that definitely ties in with it, that, you know, around that time, I mean, you know, obviously there was, you know, a lot of, a lot of Jewish immigrants to New York that had escaped the Holocaust and things like that, but by the time the Ramones were, you know, in their later teenage years and early 20s and all, it was almost like... Uh, you know, not <laughs> Nazis were almost per, perceived as comic book villains, almost, uh, or, yeah, or something yeah. like that, where it was like, like yes, it was horrible and evil and it happened, but, you know, it was at a time where it was often lampooned. I mean, they grew up, you know, shows like Hogan's Heroes and things like that with the right. kind of screwball Nazi bad guy. You know, it was, it was something to kind of lampoon, which, mm. I mean, I'm sure was kind of a... You know, I don't, I don't know if coping mechanism is the right word, but you know, definitely related to something like well, that. But it's kind of what we do now with you know uh, any sort of you know Middle Eastern bad guy, I guess. You know, it's yeah. it's like we know it exists, we know mm -hmm. it happened, but and now they're villains in movies and things yeah, like that. Right. Yeah, and they're they're a, you know generic stereotype of, mm -hmm. of that you know real life thing that happened. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean it. And New York in the seventies was a weird, funky place in general. Well, it hasn't it hadn't Absolutely. been uh, cleansed and and <laughs> right. uh, you know sanitized by then. But yeah. it, uh, so what, it was about seventy four by the time they actually formed the Ramones, had yeah. gotten together, and where did they play their first show? Well, um, like something like the equivalent of like a house show or something. So they just did like garage shows, stuff like that, and he was playing on drums. Yeah, the f the first lineup was Joey on drums. Uh, I think I don't think they had a bass player or Johnny was playing bass, but Dee Dee was definitely playing rhythm guitar and singing. Joey was on drums and Johnny was on guitar. And mm -hmm. Tommy at that point was pretty much just like their manager. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it was, and he well, I mean, he eventually became the drummer. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, um, and that was uh, that. That was because uh, was it Johnny that was singing originally? No, Dee Dee. Dee Dee was singing, but he his voice couldn't keep up with uh, with the, the the demand of yeah. the of the vocals. Right. He'd, uh, he'd go constantly. hoarse after a couple of songs. Yeah. yeah. So eventually, uh, Joey took it over, and they found out that he had he had the uh, a good voice. Yeah, yeah he had yes. he had the what it what it what it took. Yeah. So and then uh, t what time moved in, into into drumming after that? Yeah, they uh, they had tried out a few different drummers and none of them could do what they were trying to explain, and it would turn out that Tommy would be sitting behind the kit showing them. So he was, you know, I think they all kind of agreed. Why don't you just do? This? Why don't you just yeah. do it? Yeah, yeah. you're doing yeah. it anyway. So and, uh, uh, Johnny from the beginning did not want Joey to sing. He didn't. He, he, yeah. <laughs> he just really didn't like it. Their animosity towards each other just went through the well, in, the entire like the entire time that they performed together. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think Tommy and Dee Dee were really the ones to press the issue, and you know, Tommy said, you know, he's going to look good between you and Dee Dee. Right. Well, and, being as tall as he is, right, just right yeah, as the centerpiece. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he's he's. Uh, extremely noticeable yeah. Yeah. yeah and i mean at that at that point they still hadn't quite honed their look yet but you know it was almost like once once they did kind of hone in on the jeans and leather jackets you know Dee, Dee and johnny were almost like bookends you know yeah. it was you know well that's the other thing since you know since we're talking about their look i mean they they didn't look like punk rockers at the time Right. Well, neither, I mean, I mean, neither did punk rockers until well, yeah, it was that weird, Sex Pistols thing. Yeah, you know? it was that weird yeah. in between 
disco and the end of the hippie thing. like it was oh yeah I read like a couple of quotes where Joey was saying like that's all you heard like in yeah in yeah. like the the late 70s all you heard on the radio was disco yeah, yeah. and that yeah. was one of the reasons why they decided to form the band and, and create well, some good music uh, they formed pre-disco but there was a lot of crap on the radio I mean it was kind of the beginning of disco but it was still very much like a club thing you know oh, yeah. it, it hadn't really hit the mainstream yet but the music that was, you know, I know they always bring up like Captain and Tennille and, the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, kind of soft Southern California rock, like the, the yeah, Eagles. The, do you know where their names come from? The surname? Ramon? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dee Dee picked it uh, because Paul McCartney, uh, when the Beatles were still the Silver Beatles, would uh-huh. check into hotel rooms as Paul Ramon. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he spelled it without the E on the end. But um, he brought that up when they were talking about, uh, you know, band names and they all thought it sounded tough and, you know, like a gang or something. So, so they so, went with it. That's so like <laughs> the mentality in like early 70s, you know, starting a, you know, rock and roll band. Like what goes to your brain for a name? Yeah. We got to sound tough. You know, <laughs> like that's like you don't do that now. You know, well, maybe some death metal bands do, but... You know, Flaming Kittens is not yeah, scary yeah. or whatever death metal band name you come up with. Um, but back then, it, it mattered. Yeah. It, it mattered what, what what the name was, you know? It had to mean something or had to come from somewhere. You know, now people just name it whatever they, you know. Well, the good ones are taken, so it's like... Yeah. You know, you <laughs> to, but, you know, but there's no creativity. Yeah, but they, I mean, they with, with that, they really spawned, like definitely something out of punk rock that is such the bands is such oh, yeah. a thing oh, yeah. in punk yeah. rock now yeah. beca- well, see, because that wasn't the remotes, even them, you know because well you're I mean, right you're right it does go yeah, back to the, the stooges and yeah, yeah yeah that was actually from the 50s well i yeah. mean even even you know i mean i know in in conversation you say the ramones but the album covers just say ramones ramones you know? yeah that's right yeah. Yeah. so if you really wanted to be technical. R-A-M-O-N-E-S, <laughs> Ramones, that's right. Um, so I have, uh, you know, just a few, like, uh, stats i got to throw in here. Right. Uh, so the Ramones performed 2,263 concerts and toured virtually nonstop for 22 years until 1996 when their uh, final tour in Lollapalooza. Now, I did know that they played a lot of shows after that, but... Um, no, and one, one after Just one after that? Yep. So that was it, and and uh, well, I mean, they didn't play together. I mean, but they they would play. Oh, like solo shows. Yeah, or, yeah, oh, yeah, stuff yeah. like that, and they would, you know. So I mean, they did play some music afterwards, you know, yeah. with different different and, bands I, I mean, and incarnations even in the, and things. Even in the course of the Ramones, they you know occasionally they would do a couple of one off like solo shows here and there, mm-hmm. and, and they would partner up with like a local band if it was just you know. Yeah. Uh, Joey and Dee Dee, they'd hang out with some other local band and do, uh, you know, just a fun show or, yeah. you know, a small concert here or there, wherever. So uh, I have like a few, a few things about their, their imagery. The, uh, the, the, the artwork? Yeah, the, uh, the quintessential Ramones logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, uh, the, the guy who created it was actually, uh, uh, he was a guy that uh, was a longtime friend artist that uh, Joey and Dee Dee actually moved into his loft. It was Arturo Vega, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, and yeah. he was he actually went to D.C. and saw the president's seal, mm-hmm. and was like, "That is it." And he decided to create the. Uh, he actually took a picture of his belt buckle that was the uh, that was the. Um, the American Eagle, the bald eagle, right. and then put that in the center. And of, instead of you know having the olive branch or whatever, right. he had the held holding an apple branch and the uh, the baseball bat to mm. show the the you know the 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 love and the, you know and yeah, and, and, and the, the war and, you know in both hands. And then and then put instead of having you know in God we trust or whatever around it, he decided to put all their names. And then of course throughout their history, the the names changed <laughs> right. th- yeah. throughout that. Yeah. So how many members? In total, were there of uh, uh, ever-changing Ramones? Well, um, it's Joey, Johnny, Tommy, and Dee Dee. Um, now, there was a guy named, I think it was Richie, Richie Stern, that tried out for bass uh, before, the, you know, right at the beginning there and didn't cut it. Um, and then Marky replaced Dee Dee. 
and then Richie replaced Marky. Then Marky came back. CJ replaced Dee Dee. Um, you know, Joey and Johnny were the only constants, uh, even though, you know, Marky was with the band for a long time. Can you so. create a flowchart for us? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder uh, if also, you could find that. Also, Clem Burke from Blondie, uh, when I think when Richie quit, they had a few shows lined up and they needed somebody to step in really quick and fill it in so they didn't have to cancel because uh, they almost never canceled shows. And, um, uh, there, there are some bootlegs out there with the, I think it's two shows that Clem played on. Uh, he was billed as Elvis Ramon and even, <laughs> even had a couple of, uh, publicity shots taken with the rest of the band. And it's, it's horrible. I mean, yeah, he, I heard he, that went disastrously. It didn't yeah. go very well. He's, he's a great drummer, but you know, he couldn't keep up with the pace and he's trying to play a little bit jazzier and it just, you know, he's two beats behind the band the yeah, whole time. I mean, yeah. You, you have you know, have to keep up that, you know, yeah, just that. You, you got to be on your toes. Huge, yeah, that's just an enormous <laughs> effort to put out. There. So what were some of the major clubs that he played in New York when they were coming up? When they were coming up, pretty much uh, CBGB's exclusively almost. Um, see, the thing was, like, there wasn't really anywhere to play in New York City unless you were already established. And CBGB's kind of gave them that. And, you know, even even Max's Kansas City, you know, you, you pretty much had to be on a record label to play there. Um, so later they played Max's. Uh, I want to say there was a club called, um, like, Mothers. And um, there, there were a couple others they played at, but mostly CBGB's in the early days. And then uh, CBGB's and Max's. And usually bands would pick one or the other. I think the Ramones were one of the few bands to exclusively play both clubs and, you know, just not really care about that. Right, right. But, I mean, they played with a lot. I mean, they played with a lot of the bands coming up in the day. I mean, they... Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean almost uh, all of them they, got They played with the New York Dolls and, yeah. and Blondie. No, they didn't play with no? the Dolls. No? What didn't... Uh, I, I had something that when Joey was in Sniper, he played with the Dolls. That's probably true, but not the Ramones. Not the Ramones. Yeah, they were but they still. were already broken up. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they played with some like David Johansson, Sylvain, and all those. I yeah. mean, all those guys had bands after the the uh, New York Dolls broke up. And the, mm-hmm. I mean, the Heartbreakers were, you know, Johnny Thunder's band after the Dolls broke up were, you know, coming out at the same time. And you know, they were they were one of the only bands that Johnny would be, admit was as good as the Ramones. Uh, but he was like, you know, they're all junkies, so they'll yeah. be dead. You know, Johnny they're not. Said that? Yeah, it's wow. like they won't. They won't be competition in the long run. Going back to what Chris said about their style or their look, um, I, I think it was you. You let me borrow a, a documentary on them, and uh, from what I understood, that Johnny was very much into the the look like it was like regimented like yeah you need to wear this all the time no ifs ands or buts this is your uniform yeah basically when um at at first it was kind of funny like there's some uh uh, one one video in particular of i think it was like their second or third show at cbgb's and it's funny because they really don't have like the classic look down uh, Tommy and Dee Dee are just kind of wearing, you know, jeans and t-shirts, but not really, you know, the, the way they would in the Ramones. Right. Uh, Johnny was still dressing like, you know, like a more glammed out, like raw power Iggy. I mean, silver, uh, silver lame pants, um, you know, dog collar and a, a jacket trimmed with leopard fur. Um, and you know, Joey... Joey was just Joey and you know he moved around a lot more in the early days he'd kind of like fall over and trip on things and I think eventually Johnny was just like you know uh just just stand still and focus (laughs) on doing that the best that you can just stand still real good (laughs) and he did he had like he had such a stance that was like that was the that was the Joey power stance yeah Yeah. you know what I mean yeah Yeah, that was definitely a part part of his his look. Yeah, um, but then you know they they started to tighten tighten the image up together, and you know there's there's a couple different um, 
theories about how it really came to be that they chose that. But basically, you know, I mean, it does boil down to that that was the one thing that all four of them owned. Right. Or at least it was, you know, inexpensive to buy. They weren't pretty enough to be litter rockers, and that was kind of going out anyway. So, now on the first Stooges album, the picture of them on the back, they're all wearing leather jackets. Uh, right around the same time the Ramones were formed, uh, they put out an album before the Ramones, though, were the Dictators. The Ramones were a huge fan of them, and there's a great picture of them on the inner sleeve of uh, their first album, Dictators Go Girl Crazy, where they're <laughs> actually inside a white castle, and the whole band have, you know, leather jackets on, and they, you know, they just look like tough Brooklyn street toughs. You right, know, right, so, yeah. Hoods. <laughs> So, how many albums did they wind up putting out, Tom? Fourteen. Uh, Ramones, Leave Home, Rocket to Russia, Road to Ruin, End of the Century, Pleasant Dreams, Subterranean, Jungle, Too Tough to Die, Animal Boy, Halfway to Sanity, Brain Drain, Mondo Bizarro, Acid Eaters, and Adios Amigos. Fourteen. Damn. Fourteen yeah, albums. I had it. I had yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. Um, also a couple of live albums and you yeah, know, of so on yeah, and so yeah. forth. I just want to let you know he did not look that up. That came completely off the top of his head. <laughs> yep. I just wanted you to know that. That's why we brought Don on this episode here. It's stored in, in the recesses. <laughs> yeah. So the only there's only one of their records that actually made it to uh to gold. That's a compilation too, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, Ramones, Ramones Mania. Mania. It was the yeah. only one that made it to gold, yeah. and uh, I in mean, the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they never so, had a top, what top forty hit, I, top one hundred hit. They never had a number one. I right. think they did have a few things in you know, like you know, college radio, that sort of thing. I mean, they definitely had some charting things, but not, you know, in in England when punk started, it you know once it kind of got grabbed onto by the media it became a thing you know i mean the sex pistols sold out all their records in record shops and i mean but that was you know and the yeah. ramones never really had that push um yeah. it's it's funny because they almost weren't punk enough for the punks but they weren't <laughs> you know mainstream enough for everybody else either so i mean even in kind of a a world full of misfit bands the ramones were still the outsiders from yeah. that even you know yeah. mm-hmm. and but they they did in 2002 got inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame yes absolutely and yeah sadly you know joey didn't leave, live to see that and yeah. you know but uh dd did um mm-hmm. i want to say he died like two weeks it was or two, two months, months after two months yeah. afterwards yeah, yeah. And he is hands down the best part of that. If you if you haven't seen Didi's acceptance speech, I'm sure it's on Did, YouTube. He just and, thanked himself. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and, it's uh, amazing. <laughs> it's a Didi moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and it's it's a shame. Uh, you know, that's. I mean, I think on some level they all wanted to kind of have acceptance of what they were doing, even though they kind of you know feigned not really caring and i mean that was part of their charm but yeah you know they they all definitely cared and certainly joey the most so it's you know almost a kind of bittersweet thing that yeah they got inducted but you know the guy that cared the most about it wasn't alive to to, to, to see, see it happen yeah. yeah i mean they also got voted second greatest band <laughs> behind the beatles yeah by rolling stone magazine like they that hands down the writers, editors, people who contribute to that magazine, and musicians too. And, when they and polled, yeah, yes, yeah. musicians. And and, you got yeah. the Beatles, the number <laughs> one influential, influential greatest band, Ramones. And it's true. So it's like neck and neck. Those guys were like, and you, you know, you got to think about the the weird, you know, knowledge that their surname comes from, you know, from the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and Paul McCartney, it's just, I don't know, it's just a great... They, I mean, they basically had just, you know, more more extreme versions of the, the Beatles' haircuts. So. Right, right, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. They, were, they were the New York Beatles, essentially. So, okay, uh, I, I didn't know this, um, because there's always been this weird, uh, like, I remember growing up, there's always been weird controversy, well, not controversy, but just hearsay about punk itself. And... Uh, who started it? Was it the English, the Americans, the Ethiopians? I, I don't know. But 
I do know that both the Sex Pistols and the Clash credit the Ramones as a source of inspiration in their formative years. Absolutely. So to me, straight <laughs> from the horsey's mouth, yeah. they heard the Ramones first and were like, these guys are amazing. What we're doing is okay, but we need to start doing stuff like these guys. Yeah. So is that, I mean, does that play out in in the real world or is that just my brain making up <laughs> more more or less i mean you know i think i think similar things happened i mean when when uh everybody started playing and getting together in new york um you know it, it just so happened that a lot of people had similar ideas you know taking taking rock and roll back to uh basics as opposed to you know being a virtuoso playing uh for the energy of it as opposed to, you know, writing a album that is, you know, like a sci-fi epic uh, concept record. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with that either, but, right, you know, right. just kind of, just bringing it back to, to being fun, you know, short songs or or even dark, you know, dark do, I mean, do emotion. they actually have any songs that clock over two minutes? Uh, yeah. Uh, a couple of them actually but I mean <laughs> I, I think their longest song is only like 4 minutes and 34 seconds or something so yeah, I mean that right. that's the pinnacle length yeah of, that's yeah. Way too because I mean they just don't do guitar solos I mean that that's pretty much why yeah. you know that why they they you know their songs are so short but well, one of my one of my favorite quotes from Johnny is you know we we play normal length songs that you know, double the speed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, right. they're regular songs. They're just played twice as fast. But that's fast. that's another and reason. And they cut out all the you know. Yeah. BS. All the fluff. Yeah. But that's another reason why you know they didn't have that many members for being uh, for being a, a band for so long. I mean, for twenty two years they pretty much toured nonstop. Yeah. And and for to have so few members, people just couldn't cut it. Yeah. You, you, you you could not just get in and start playing the drums like that for 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 that long unless you had some serious twitch muscle problems. Yeah, right. you know what I mean. You, you you just you wouldn't be able to do it. With all of that stuff happening during the seventies, and they're they're starting to gain some notoriety. The Ramones. One thing I didn't realize that Joey at a, a young young age was diagnosed with OCD. Um, he he. Well, they didn't know what to call it at the yeah, time, but, but, but you I'm know, they like, they knew that he had a lot of, um, you know, just problems uh, in general. A lot of he would um, repeat certain kind of uh, you know certain things, tapping or rinsing his toothbrush kind of compulsively, or uh, washing his sunglasses for two hours at a time. Uh, very <laughs> you know very repetitive um, things, and you know basically. Um, like school psychiatrists and real psychiatrists had uh, basically told his family that you know he he would always need to be looked after and you know just couldn't wouldn't ever really be able to function in real life because he was just just kind of a mess all the time. So do you think that that playing music and being in front of crowds and writing and the whole atmosphere that in, that entails. Did that do you think that helped get through some of those things? Oh, absolutely. Because we've done that. You know, yeah. we've, we've played in a bunch of bands together, or apart, or whatever. And you know, everybody has their thing, whether they're you know shy on stage or they're shy off stage or whatever. There's something completely different that happens when you're up there and you're facing these people and you're playing these songs that you wrote you know and people are actually enjoying them I mean I, I would honestly say it would have to help yeah you know yeah. I mean even if it kind of hurt at the same time getting up there every time and you're still shy or still nervous or whatever yeah I think performing is usually a part of therapy for the artist yeah, that's yeah. the do you know doing a live perform, and I'm sure that was probably part of what the reason why Joey was up there. Yeah, you know, if, if it wasn't for the rest of the band, at least for him, it probably was partially therapy to, to get up there mm -hmm. and and get some kind of um, some kind of acceptance to know that people liked the music that he was performing. You right. know, he was up there, you know, with his with his hair, you know, hanging down in front of his face with his 
you know, with his, his dark glasses on, mm-hmm. standing six foot, what? Six foot three, six foot seven? I don't know. What, somewhere in between there. Somewhere in between. <laughs> I mean, I, I've found two different two different sizes, six foot three, six foot seven. Uh, which, what do you think? Um, it's, it's hard to say. I think, I think he was a little closer to six, seven. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, just, just looking at the guy, he was really tall, but he would slouch a lot too. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I've, I've read that he was a little embarrassed by his height and, you know, when asked, he'd usually just say he was six, three or whatever, but yeah, you know, I, I think it was a little a couple inches taller than that. So uh, it was about 1977 when they wrote Pinhead. Uh, that, you know, the Gabba Gabba, we accept you, we accept you, one of us. So I was reading a little bit of, going, doing a little research, and they actually had a, you know, a, 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 a rain day where the, their show got rained out. Mm-hmm. And they went to an art house, and they actually uh, saw the movie Freaks, uh, the 1932 because I always got to bring it back to Sideshow if I can. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah. saw the movie Freaks. The Tim Robbins and, movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they actually, they saw that and they, they were just entranced by it. Right. So they decided to write uh, the song uh, Pinhead, you know, with they, the, the Google Gobble weeks, uh, you know. Right, right, So, right. you know, they added that. And I think it was actually Dee Dee that wrote that song, right? I, I want to say that might have been one of the ones where all four of them kind of came together, but I think it was mostly Dee Dee. But yeah, you know, I, I think that was one of the ones where they all had you know they all kind of had a, a part in it. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, so I mean, they actually had that rare day where they were able to watch the film, and uh, they so you know, and they saw Schlitzy the pinhead in it, mm-hmm. and uh, and and oh, back to our sideshows. Yeah, calling back. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so um, so then of course the the pinhead they actually got a pinhead mask mm-hmm. and started having the pinhead come up on stage with the gabba gabba hey uh the gabba gabba hey sign and come out hand it to joey where of course he would hold it high yeah, while everybody was around, yeah. chanting and singing to the song and the pinhead would do the the freak dance around yeah. the stage <laughs> they were also uh they also i, th- I think knew it's called the jerk dance the jer- oh jeez i'm sorry the jerk dance yeah. well they were also I, I do have something to add yeah you do have something to add so they were also actually uh, uh i think they all liked um liked the uh, zippy the pinhead uh, right. cartoon as well yeah. because that yeah. was out at the time so they would all, all read that and between that and and watching freaks they that was one of the reasons why that song came about mm-hmm. So my act, the Scarred and Dangerous Thrill Show, I'm only one half of. The other half is Dangerous D. He's currently living in California, and he's going to call in from time to time to give you his two cents about all of our topics here on The Curioso. Now, all dangers considered, a moment with Dangerous D. I was never really into punk rock growing up. I thought it was like, I don't know, like... Simple, mindless music with a bunch of English singers who couldn't even speak English, but they spoke it well enough to buy heroin and safety pins. Well, I actually didn't become a big fan of the genre until years later. So, like many kids of the 80s, Stephen King was the one who was responsible for introducing me to the Ramones. I think it was like around, I don't know, like 1983 or 84 when the Ramones wrote a song for Stephen King's movie Pet Cemetery. Uh, it was based on one of his novels. The movie and the song actually became extremely popular and uh, and took the band to like a whole new level. I, um, I didn't realize at the time, but another Ramones song, Sheena is a punk rocker, also appears in the film. But... I'm not going to tell you where. You'll uh, you'll have to watch it. Ha! Since the release of Pet Cemetery, though, Stephen King has actually referenced the Ramones in all of his novels except for three, because he told me that. But still, I think the best punk rock band of all time is Wasted City. Ha! Also, so, I mean, they were all very much into horror movies, and that that goes through 
definitely a line straight through all of, a lot of their songs. You yeah, know, yeah, you know, yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, you know, and that leads you straight to Stephen King. You know, Stephen King was uh, a huge fan of theirs. Yeah, Roadkill. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. He played himself. Yep. I don't even know what this movie's about. Uh, I've only seen the clip. It's not the easiest thing to find, um, and I, you know, it's a it's a guy in a car with a girl, and you know, I think they walk into a store, and Joey's outside, and you know, there's there's an exchange. He talks to him for a minute, but it's it's you know a couple of minutes long, and that's it. Right, right. And I want to say that was the same director that did um, Hardcore Logo, which Joey also. Has oh, he was in that too. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's a fun movie that I recommend for anybody that likes uh, weird rock mockumentaries. <laughs> that is a film that I don't recommend, but that's okay. <laughs> I will still put it on the show notes. Yeah, he was in The Simpsons. I know about the uh, the Rosebud episode with Mr. Burns' birthday, but I didn't know about another. Uh, apparently, he's in here. <laughs> what is it? Have Have the Rolling Stones killed? <laughs> uh, that's not the Rolling Stones. Do as I say. So, what other, what what other movies do you know that he was in? Um, there, what is it called? Final Rinse. Uh, it's a movie with a. Got I think hair. it's like a bald serial killer that kills rock stars for their hair. Nice. And Joey's nice. one of them. I want to say. Um, I think Dee Snyder is in that as well. So <clears throat> we were talking earlier about uh, about CBGBs, and uh, there's a possibility of a CBGBs movie coming out. And so Joey might actually be portrayed. Yeah, yeah. It's coming out this year, apparently. Really? It's, it's in post-production. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, But you said that they took it and they <clears throat> moved it brick by brick? Yeah, they had um, pretty much when CBGB's closed, uh, Hilly had the place gutted. I mean, everything from the bathrooms to the bars and all the walls and everything. And, I mean, there were talks to move it other places in New York. There were talks about moving it to Las Vegas, which thankfully didn't happen or hasn't happened yet um but uh some of the movie was apparently shot in new york and then they recreated i guess the corner of bowery and bleaker uh in savannah georgia and you know i mean i'm pretty cynical about the movie but i will say the sets and all the production photos i've seen for it look pretty spot on Mm -hmm. i mean the the like teaser poster they slapped together i mean i've heard people say it's like an abomination but to me it looks like a layout from punk punk magazine so mm-hmm. to me it's like i don't know i think people are kind of missing the point about that i mean i I'm, I'm sure it'll still be you know typical hollywood yeah and joey's definitely going to be in this movie somebody's actually going to be portraying him yeah um this is the one thing not committed to memory yeah, right here yeah. yeah he actually has to look this up yeah but that's okay it's yeah. new knowledge jo- it's jo- right <laughs> joel david moore uh it's the actor that's playing Joey. And how tall is he? <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. You don't have to look it up. But, you know, actually, that reminded me. because we He, were he about is pretty tall. I mean, I've seen him in a, a couple actor. movies. And I, I was pretty happy when I heard he was cast because I was like, well, you know, at least they got somebody that's kind of tall and, you know, gawky looking. Yeah. It would have well, been a shame if they tried to make the Ramones, like, studs or something. Yeah, you know? right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that was one of the other things. I know that we um, we, we kind of... For what it's worth, I always thought, like, when he was younger, if they had made a movie when Adrian Brody was younger, he would have been a pretty good Joey Ramone. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he's a little bit older, and I think he's, he's pretty buff these days, I guess. So, I the Predator movie, yeah. yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> he's <like> jacked. <laughs> so I, want, I did want to talk about this. Um, so on Sunday, November 3rd, 2003, the city of New York officially named the corner of Bowery and 2nd Street, Joey Ramone Place. Uh, uh, it's a, it, there was a ceremony that honored, uh, that honored him. Uh, this, uh, the street sign dedication was the culmination of the efforts of his, fa- his fans, family, contemporaries, community, and the city itself to recognize Joey's historic achievements and contributions to New York's, uh, uh, New York's city scene. So I just thought that was really cool. There, so you can actually go and see Joey Ramone place. Yeah, and that's uh, that's right out front of where, uh, like I think Joe said earlier, um, Arturo's loft, where Joey and Dee Dee lived with 
uh, Arturo, the artist, is is it was right on that corner. A lot of the times they'd meet up around there before they played CBGBs, and it's literally you know. A, it was their hangout. Yeah, it's yeah. it's right next to where CBGBs was. Yeah. It's also um, it was also the or is still the most stolen s- street sign of all time, <laughs> and I I want to say after the you know however many of time it's actually moved twenty feet up the pole now <laughs> so it's like almost like you know before people would get pictures standing under it and now yeah. you have to do like a wide shot and yeah, right, yeah. Right. it's it's that, kind of funny but they had to move move you know i mean louis armstrong has a street name after him other people mm-hmm. in new york have streets named after him and i mean i'm sure they've all been stolen at one point in time but the fact that this one has consistently been stolen, you yeah. know, right after the next. They, it's the only one they've ever had to move literally 20 feet. Right. Right. 20 feet to the sky. So did. just about how tall to- Joey, it, Joey yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So Don was saying that between my memory and his, he can actually tell me more about the shows <laughs> that <laughs> I have gone to and he has not then I can tell him about the shows that I've gone to, which is absolutely true, which is ridiculous. And and kind of happening tonight. All yeah, time. also <laughs> happening tonight. Yeah. However, I can walk out of the house with pants on, and you don't always remember that. Yeah, so we don't true. know how that dichotomy works, but it does, and uh, we're all fr- better friends because of it. Now, we went to go see him, and the opener was uh, Degeneration, and uh, wh- what's the guy from Degeneration? I can't remember his name. Jesse Mallon. J- yeah, Jesse Mallon, and yep. he was a, a protege of, of Joey, and he was, a really good, he was a really good friend of his, and I know that they played and they hung out a lot, and, uh, and, and I think he, didn't he, like produce a few of his albums or something? Uh, he talked about them a lot like yeah he, you know he definitely him helped up. hype them up and you know he'd put them on bills at some of the clubs and stuff yeah right so but we went to go see him and uh and i was probably uh talking to some chick and you guys went and talked to jesse mallon <laughs> probably yeah. is that yeah. how it worked That's probably how I, worked. I i had a jacket with you know, oh your road to ruin jacket yeah. oh my goodness mm-hmm. your road to ruin jacket was freaking awesome. Don had a, a leather jacket with uh, the Road to Ruin album cover on the back that we used to go to punk rock shows that he would throw into the middle of the pit and let people just stomp on like it was a a a, a nerd at a jock rally. And people would just stomp all over it. And uh, I gotta be honest with you, that is probably one of the reasons why I'm friends with you. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was like a bullfighter's cape. Really yeah, like... it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had. Uh, I guess he had noticed the back of it and uh, came over and talked to me and our friend Josh. And um, you know, he he was talking about the Ramones, how much he liked them and all, and said that, you know, he, I, you know. You know how things go. You remember it a little bit differently. It seems like it happens pretty fast. So some of the details are lost on me. But, you know, long story short, he was saying the next night, which was the 4th of July, uh, Joey was playing a a 4th of July. You know, he had set up a 4th of July concert, picked all the bands. And at the end of it, him and Dee Dee were playing together for a set of Ramones songs. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the drummer, uh, Michael Wildwood, who was the drummer from Degeneration, uh, Dee Dee's wife Barbara on second guitar, Dee Dee on bass, and you know, so on. I mean, we didn't know that at the time. Um, he just told us there was going to be a show the next night, Joey and Dee Dee playing together, and you know, that was pretty much all we all we needed to hear. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but you also he he said that you know if we showed up, basically he could, he would get us in. Well. Uh... I didn't want to assume, you know, I mean, it was all pretty much all of our first trip to New York. And I mean, I, I thought that's what he said, but you know, he, he was like, you know, if you guys make it, he wrote down our names mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. and that, that, that was good enough. List, I mean, yeah. 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 I think, I think at that point, you know, even, even if he hadn't made the offer, like, you know, I, we were sold on it. I mean, I think it was only $12 or $14 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So we all jumped into, uh, into Beeve's, uh, little red death trap and, uh, <laughs> we squished in that thing. Yeah. Right. It, it yeah. was a small car. Yeah. yeah. And drove up there. It was, you know, a few hours drive and, and we were there and in the glory of New York and 
yeah, with that's... the with the uh, the the uh, fireworks blowing up over top of yeah. uh, the Statue of Liberty, yeah. which is I had never been so proud to be an American. At that point. <laughs> America, America, America! All of us little punk rockers climbed in, and yeah. uh, it was uh, us and uh, the three of us and our friend uh, Josh, who we used to call Beef back then, and our friend Harmony. Mm-hmm. Hi guys, sorry you're not on the podcast, <laughs> um, but we all we all drove up there, squished up there, and got. Got up to uh, and parked and, and and went out to Coney Island High and uh, yeah. I think we we all hung out in the street for a little while. Yeah, you know, did. maybe a little bit nervous to go in. We were pretty young back then. Yeah. Well, so, first, we we checked out CBGB's first too. Oh, that's I mean, right. We yeah, passed yeah. it on the way in, and uh, a crazy bag lady threw balled up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Balled up newspaper at Joe. And, yeah. yeah. Just like any good trip to New York. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, we wound up seeing uh, the independents for the very first time. Well, at first, do you remember this? I mean, at first they they weren't going to let us in uh, because I think, you know, I want to say it was something wacky like it was seventeen and over. And mm-hmm. I right, think right. I think uh, Joe, you, and Harmony at the time weren't seventeen yet. Yeah, and they weren't going to let us in. And you know, I I remember being a little like nervous to be like, cause, you know, it was kind of an intimidating doorman. Yeah, and. Uh, wasn't it uh, wasn't it Andrew Dice Clay? <laughs> it might as it might as <laughs> well look like yeah, like he was the actual door. Yeah, the fact that like we had to ask the door guy, like they wouldn't let us in, and we asked the door guy, and he <laughs> got Jesse. I mean, that's a that's a big oh, that's deal. right. The and fact that he went did. up and got him, yeah, and Jesse came down. That's happened to us a few times, actually. Yeah, yeah. But we for yeah, the Ramones for the in Ramones. New York, yeah. our first trip to New York, and the guy that tells us about the show, you know, he. Actually put us on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. No, these cool these guys are here to see us. Yeah, yeah. we drove yeah. all the way up from Baltimore to come see him mm-hmm. and yeah. see Joey and uh, and saw bands that we have seen since. Yeah. And, and and because yeah, he went up and got got Jesse. Yeah, I expected awesome. I expected you know instant New York attitude. You know, Get like out. oh yeah, yeah, back <laughs> yeah. on the street, bud. Yeah, Buster, yeah. Know, yeah. Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> get, you know, get that out of here. Um, but yeah, he he got Jesse uh, Jesse Mallon, and he came out. He remembered me and Josh, and um, you know, I'm I like I said, we were all prepared to pay, but he got all of us in for pretty much the price of you know one one, one person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he I guess given each of us one guest spot, and there was you know one left over, and uh, we walked in right when I think. Uh, one of the bands was finishing the set. I'm sure not. Still not sure who it was. And then um, it was the Independents who, you know, really, really surprised all of us. They yeah, put on a great yeah, set. Right. And you know, it, come to find out, Joey had, you know, they were another band that he was very enthusiastic about. Uh, they opened for the Ramones on the Acid Eaters tour in '94, and you know, Joey and. Uh, the guys in the band became pretty good friends, so they they were great that night. Um, that was the first night I finally heard the music from the Dictators. A lot of people had talked about them, but I hadn't really heard their music. And uh, that was also the first appearance of Joey that night. He came out and did a Who song and a cover of um, um, I Got You, Babe, with Handsome Dick during the Dictators set. And that was, you know, just, just an incredible band with you know an older band with a ton of energy mm-hmm. and then you know after after you know what i remember being a just infinite weight uh finally you know the band came out with with dd Dee Dee and joey and you know that played a set of about i don't know 15 just classic ramon songs everything so you'd want to hear yeah yeah <laughs> and it was, i mean it was just amazing best best 10 minutes of my life yeah, so yeah yeah just incredible so, but I do remember being outside after the show. Yeah, we and... waited. I mean, the show probably ended around. I don't know. It seemed like it ended late. I'd say about two thirty or so. Well, yeah, three, what four? four. Yeah, 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 six yeah. o'clock in the morning in New York. So yeah, the and bars we, usually open to about four. Yeah. yeah, we literally waited outside the club. You know, by like a you know across from the club by subway until you know four four thirty in the morning for something like that for, uh, you know, in the hopes that Joey would come out and there wasn't like a back entrance to the club but right right you know finally did he came out you know he talked to us all he was real nice you know real friendly we mm-hmm. asked him to get coffee with us but you know i guess he was beaten just wanted to go home yeah, and go yeah. to bed but you know real 
real sweet. You know, it was, real, it was real pretty polite. cool to meet. Uh, yeah, to meet uh, somebody who we definitely had a, had a respect, yeah. such respect yeah. for, and, yeah. and to be able to shake his hand and and just yeah, even have I mean, a we... few moments conversation with with. Somebody who I I consider such a an icon. Yeah, of, yeah definitely. Of, I mean, American. I think I think we all you know. I mean, that was the thing about being into like punk rock and things like that. There's usually not that like rock star separation. So it's like, you know, we'd all talk to people in different bands and all. You know, some of them bigger, some of them smaller, and you know, I I think I can speak for all of us where we were. You know, rarely ever starstruck. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was usually like, oh yeah, you know this is awesome you're you know doing this you talk to people after the show whatever but i mean that was the first time it was like you know holy that's joey ramone yeah (laughs) (laughs) and the coolest thing was there's no limo no oh no oh no i think he just walked down the street he walked home you know yeah (laughs) that is the quintessential punk rock move right there Mm -hmm. that's right it was amazing and that well Didi left in a limo. <laughs> Joey, yeah, Joey walked saying, home. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we knew where Didi was. Yeah. Joey was walking home. Like, so, that but, is, like, perfect. But to cap off the night, I remember that uh, we actually wound up hanging out in Battery Park until we saw the sun come up over the uh, mm-hmm. over the uh, Statue of Liberty and, uh, and drove home, bringing you to uh, the story at the uh, top of the hour. So, mm-hmm. you know, let me mention one thing. Sure. Um, <clears throat> you remember that statue at that park? I remember, remember a statue. I want to say, I, I for, at one point in time, I could have said what it was. I want to say it's like a life-saving, like, mm. memorial statue. Yeah. But it's it's pretty weird. It's like hands grasping out of the water at, like, a rescue person or something. I don't know. I might be a little hazy in my memory here. But sure. I also remember seeing, like, literally a, a you know, pitbull-sized rat. Like a couple. Oh of God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the park bench. Yeah, yeah. I kind of remember that too. Yeah. yeah, they got they grow some big rats up there. Yes, they yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. So that that leads us into his death, April fifteenth, two thousand one. He's forty nine years old. Yeah, that's that's really young. Yeah. yeah, you know, but I guess for somebody who lives such a hard life, maybe not so much. But right. I, I, now I heard some varying stories that he lived with uh, uh, lymphatic cancer, and I, I heard that he knew about it for four years or possibly seven. Mm-hmm. So I guess it really depends on on when he knew, you yeah, know. Right, but right. but he definitely knew he had it, you know, in his in his later years. Right. Right. So and uh, you know he kind of I know I know he kind of suffered with that. Yeah. I think it was closer to seven. Um, like when the Ramones broke up, they broke up in '96, and um, their last tour uh, being Lollapalooza. Yeah, in and then they yeah. had they had one final show at I think the Palladium um, in California in August, and and that was it. It was you know the last show. Um, they had some guest people come up with them. Lemmy from Motorhead played. Uh, Tim and Lars from Rancid, Eddie Vedder, I think Ben Shepard from Soundgarden. And yeah, it, it came off as a little hokey almost. And uh, they did like a video release for that. that mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing's shot with a wide angle lens. It looks awful. And I don't know, there's a lot of like artsy shots of the amps and things. And I mean, I, you know, I liked it enough at the time because I mean, it's a live Ramon thing. It's going to be yeah, powerful, yeah. but right. it just, you know, it just came off as a little bit of a rush job. And, uh, you know, basically they just walked off the stage without ever really, you know, saying bye or, hey, that was cool or anything. I mean, they just all four walked off, went their separate ways. And that was, you know, for all intents and purposes, that was the end of the Ramones. And, yeah, but how would you want to do it? I mean, it's better yeah. that a short goodbye and that, rather than a, a long one. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I mean, there wasn't a goodbye. It was, yeah, they yeah, 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 walked off the stage. Yeah, that was yeah. just, yeah, like almost no closure, which... I mean, up until, you know, up until the the word came out that, you know, Joey was really sick, there was always that hope that, you know, cause, I mean, I think I'm not alone when I'd say most people probably thought Dee Dee was going to go first, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it was kind of like, well, he hadn't, he hadn't been in the band the last few years, CJ had taken over, so it was kind of like, well, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't really been in the band, so that wouldn't really hinder them getting back together, but... 
you know, when Joey died, he, like even Johnny was like, "Yeah, that's it." You know, I don't, I don't want to work with anybody else. Yeah, you know, right, he he right. was the singer of the Ramones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think he was diagnosed in '97 with lymphoma, and um, there's a story about the Ramones getting offered, you know, millions of dollars to play in South America, uh, pretty much right about when they were going, to, you know, right near their last show, and Joey turned it down because he said he wasn't feeling well. And, you know, I think on some level, all of the rest of the band resented him for that because, mm. you know, like Johnny and Joey were all right, but, you know, Marky and CJ probably didn't make quite as much as them as, you know, not being like original members. Right. And, um, you know, I think, I think it would have guaranteed that all of them made a hefty sum of money so, and Joey maintained, yeah. he was like, you know, give me a couple of months and you know, I'll do it. I just need to rest. And I think Johnny kind of had the, well, it's either now or never attitude just mm -hmm. to kind of push and do it. But it, yeah. you know, he, he held his ground and then, you know, I think he was always sickly off and on through the years. So I think the rest of the band kind of took it for granted, but you know, in the, within the but next, he was really sick. yeah, within yeah. the next yeah. couple of years, you know, he was definitely diagnosed with lymphoma and had a lot of ups and downs with that. I mean, a few times it looked like he had had it beat, and you know, keep in mind too that this whole time, you know, absolutely keeping it from the press because he didn't want it to alter people's perception of him. You know, mm -hmm. still playing shows when he could, uh, always working on his solo album and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, what really got him was he had a fall on uh, New Year's Eve and broke his hip. And for their hip replacement surgery, he had to take a medication that, um, you know, he had to stop taking his lymphoma medication to take, you know, whatever it was for the hip replacement. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, I guess he kind of relapsed and just never really got better from wow. it. Yeah. And, you know, he was in the hospital a lot towards the end. I know a lot of, you know, different bands, members of bands, friends and family would come visit him. And, you know, the, the story is he actually died listening to a U2 song. I think it's called In a Little While. Yeah, In a Little While. Yeah, I have that Something here. like that. I'm not so, a huge U2 fan, but it is kind yeah. of like I get it, you know. it's Yeah, I heard, what was it, Evil spent a lot of time with him too from, right? The Independence, yeah. The Independence, yeah. he was, he was um, a good, good friend. He spent a lot of time with him there. His brother Mickey was there a lot. Yeah. His mom, yeah. you know, he he outlived his mom as well. She didn't pass until two thousand seven, mm -hmm. and um, you know, after he did die, his brother and mom were um, pretty instrumental in keeping things going. Uh, they did a yearly uh, birthday tribute concert with you know, always full of his favorite bands or bands that he was inspired and. You know, they're always a good time. And, and that's another thing, another one of the reasons why we wanted to release this, because his birthday is coming up soon, and uh, his birthday bash will be coming out, uh, I think, probably almost the weekend after we release this. So we'll mm -hmm. make sure that that's on the show notes. So if you want to go to that show... Yeah, I think um, it is on his birthday again this yeah. year, May, May 19th. Yeah. 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 So uh, that would be kind of cool. We'll make sure we have that on the show notes so you can follow up with that. Yeah, so, I mean, any... If anybody out there has Joey Ramone stories or, you know... Pictures? Pictures, fun stuff, <laughs> email us. Yeah, we'll make sure we uh, we put them out on our uh, on our website or on our Facebook and, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll all talk about it. Um, I guess the last thing is uh, when we actually took a trip up to, uh, to Joey's grave. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I remember that happening <laughs> you don't remember uh, that happening do you so uh, we all took a little trip uh, to let's see Lindhurst Lindhurst Cemetery New Jersey. no it's uh, Hillside Cemetery in Lindhurst New Jersey what was that trip was that when we went to CBGB's too yeah they were okay. closing we went up because okay. they were closing CBGB's yeah that's yeah. why we that was decided the to go the reason yeah. we went and then while we were up there, we decided to go and see Joey's grave yep. and pay our respects for, you know. And uh, we went up armed with a whole bunch of stickers for our band at the time mm -hmm. and uh, slapped that up on the uh, wall of CBGB's. Yeah. So it's quite possible that that might be in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Very possible. Uh, it's in a book. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's in a book. And uh, 
So, uh, but then we also uh, swung by uh, Hillside Cemetery in uh, uh, Lyndhurst, uh, New Jersey, mm -hmm. uh, where he is uh, interned. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we all got pictures, uh, yeah. you know, around around the grave. And we definitely left our our, our band demo on top. Yeah, a couple of them. Couple yeah, a few of them. Yeah. You know, figuring you know it'd be a fun. <laughs> fun yeah. thing for somebody that visits his grave be like oh it's you know cd maybe this will be yeah yeah so but i mean it i was guess they like the ramones yeah yeah, yeah. And we, yeah we definitely we covered a lot of ramones songs back in the day oh, i mean yeah, we did we yeah. did command what else did we do besides commando i know it was... uh, i think we we tried um uh, which one did we try once or twice we only did it once or twice because it's, it's... We, we did blitzkrieg bop a couple of times i think too no you sure? <laughs> no. No. Oh, no. The, I was trying to do Blitzkrieg Bob, and yeah, you would you not have that. Yeah. And so we did Commando instead. Yeah. 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 did Commando. I, I mean, I want to say, like, you know, high high school age, you know, in, in some of our earliest bands. Yeah, we probably threw Blitzkrieg Bob in there to, you know, yeah. just yeah. as something all we can all play this song, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but let's see. We did Commando. Did we do... We did Pet Cemetery, right? Did we Did ever we do, do that? No, no. We didn't. I guess we I just talked about to. it. Yeah, I, th I think but, we yeah. just talked about it for like a Halloween show or something. Yeah, yeah. it was like uh, our failed misfits attempt. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I think it was just Commando. No, there there was one other no, one because I remember like yeah. Oh gosh, what was it? One here today, going tomorrow, but it's something like that. It's like one of the more. Oh, you're gonna kill that girl. That's what it was. Yeah, I don't at least care. twice at the sidebar. Because yeah. I remember one of them, like it was a show with the Lexington Arrows. Anytime we covered something, I mean, we, you know, it's a, it's a Ramon song, so there's only so much you can do with it. But yeah. we definitely played it like it was our song, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you know, which is to say, not like the Ramones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> not you know, I mean, we, enough like it, but not you know, not a spot on copy well, that's, and, yeah, yeah, that's the whole point of covers yeah I, yeah I, I, we I, had I, such a distinct I think style I kind of derailed that, this <laughs> yeah we <laughs> tangent time yeah so the long and the short is Joey Ramone the Ramones uh, were a huge huge part uh, of our our growth as people as musicians as fans and lovers of punk rock and music in general so I guess I really wanted to end this off with a with a, a quote from lemmy ah, from motorhead yeah a happy uh, ending if you will lemmy said he was one of the most underrated artists ever he understood rock and roll and i, I think that really sums up joey and his life and yeah. uh rest in peace joey yeah thanks for hanging out with us here at the curioso i'm christopher scarborough i'm joe taylor done happy birthday joey Hey, is there any topics that you want us to cover? Anything that you want to talk to us about or let us know about? Email us, feedback at thecurioso.com. Our Facebook, facebook.com backslash thecuriosopodcast. We tweet at curiosopodcast. And if you have any five-star reviews you'd like to give us on iTunes, please feel free. Did we talk about that's how they all met? Yeah. I thought we just talked about talking about that's how they all <laughs> met. No, no, we actually talked about it. Okay.